You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, The Aftermath. Today we finish our series with The Church. So all month long we have had the opportunity to go through together Acts chapters 1 and 2. It's been an absolute privilege to be walking through this with you. On week one we had the opportunity to talk about the aftermath of the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we talked about as Luke spoke in verses one through three about the proofs of the resurrection, when we spoke about the six minimal facts, or at least a few of the six minimal facts of the death and resurrection of Jesus. On the second week, we had the opportunity to talk about how the beginning of the church kicked off with Jesus ascending into heaven and uh, the importance of the apostles who who were left behind to, to found his church the witnessing of the resurrection that they needed to do from there on out. Last week, we spoke about the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the apostles' immediately immediate use of the um, power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel to all who would listen. At the end, we left off with uh, Peter preaching one of the first revivals, and over 3,000 souls were added to the number of the church that day. And today, we're going to finish chapter 2, so now we move on to the end of chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Let's read together. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this final opportunity we have to walk through your word together that you have given me, this opportunity to speak to your people. I do not take it lightly. I am thankful for it. God, today as we dig into the end of Acts chapter 2, as we talk about the fellowship of believers, as we talk about the early church and we draw out the type of community that they were and how they, how they came to be this type of community, how they generated the sort of energy that was generated and what you did in, in and amongst them through the work of the Holy Spirit. God, thank you. Thank you for you. Thank you for your interaction in our lives. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that what we read in Acts doesn't just have to be a story of the past, but can be something uh, that we look to uh, in our churches today, right now, in America, 2018. Speak to us this morning. Help us to love each other well in a way that we never have before. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that I think is really, really interesting about human existence is the fact that we all desire to be a part of something. Is this true? Like, we all really want to be a part of a community, of, of a culture, of a tribe, of a group. We want to we have our thing. And, and right now, I would say one of the strongest things that's kind of happening culturally are the NBA finals. And this has been really, really interesting to watch. And I, you guys may know this about me, maybe you don't, but I'm not like a big sports guy. But I do love watching people uh, gather together and, and support something and, and gather around 
around something. Right now, uh, because we live in Ohio, it's all about LeBron James and the Cavs. I'm sorry for anyone who is from elsewhere, but that's what we constantly are talking about. And we're debating whether or not LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time, and are the Cavs going to pull through in the, in the final game, or game six? See, I didn't even know. Game six tonight, I think, is what's going on. And, and seven, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, I'm proving my, uh, you know, my uh, knowledge here of sports. So, but the thing is, it's so interesting is people get super, super into this. And, and if you're a guy who likes calves, if you're a lady who likes the calves, or you have your team, you can walk up and you can see that person on the street with their cap, calves hat. And what can you do? You can talk with them for 45 minutes without knowing their first name, without knowing where they went to school or where they grew up or who they are. And it's like you feel this kindred spirit with them, don't you? You feel like you're talking to a member of, of your family, however temporarily, because you are a part of a bigger community that is about something, that, that is surrounding something. This happens not just with the NBA Finals, although that is the most prevalent one that's happening right now. It happens with other sports, too, like the NFL. Maybe your team is, uh, you know, I don't know, who do you support? It's Ohio, so they're all bad, right? Like the Browns, um, uh, what's the other one? Bengals, yeah, B, the, B, the B ones, you know. Um, we, we, we've got uh, Steelers fans in the area. Any Steelers fans? Like, oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, guys. Um, we, we've got some different NFL teams, or, or maybe it's not NFL, maybe it's the NHL, maybe it's the MLB, maybe it's the MLS, maybe it's the AFL-CIO. I don't think that last one is actually a sport, but uh, it doesn't really matter. There are these things that we are uh, excited to be a part of. Maybe it's not a sport for you that you like to watch. Maybe it's your gym that you like to go to. Are CrossFitters, we got some CrossFitters. Afraid to admit it? Is, that, is there such a thing as a CrossFitter who that won't talk about CrossFit? Like, is that, is that a thing? Sorry. Um, maybe you're a crossfitter. Maybe, maybe you go and you're like a really serious lifter and, and you go to a place that has like barbell at the end of the name that you, of the place that you go to. And you're a part of that culture. You're a part of that community. Maybe you're like an old lady or like a dude who's into quilting and you go to quilting conventions. Like, is that a thing? Do you guys, anyone? I'm just like, none of you do any of the things that I'm talking about. So, and I know, I get it. I'm talking about sports, and that probably makes you guys really uncomfortable. So for me, I would totally go to a pizza convention. If anyone wants to start a pizza convention, let's go. I will talk to you about the different slices and dices and purees and is it Julian's, Julian of, of pepperoni all day long. Let's, let's talk about that. But we can get really, really serious about our communities. We want to be a part of something, don't we? We want to be a part of something great. We want to be a part of something that is succeeding, that is doing well, that is making a difference, at least as we perceive it. When I was growing up, one of my favorite times of the year was going to church camp. Or, or conference whenever I got a little bit older. That was awesome because it was this opportunity that I had to go and be around other students my age, going through the things that I went through who were also believers, who were also in school, and dealing with the stuff that I was dealing with. I grew up going to something called CIY Conference. It's really interesting because this year our students are going to the same CIY Conference that I grew up going to, and I'm so excited for them. It's this opportunity for them to, to go and, and be with other students and hear from the word every single day and lift up worship together and sing together and study together and worship together. Oh man, it's going to be so good. 
And if you have an opportunity to go out there and uh, make a donation and get some cookies, believe me when I say, my, my experiences at camp, my experiences at conference, my experiences in that community, surrounded by other Christ-like Christians, other like-minded teens, was something that shaped me and brought me to right here where I am today. So I want you to know that it's a worthwhile investment to send students to those things. Why? Because they are in a community, maybe for the first time ever, surrounded by people who have things in common with them. We want to be a part of a community. We want to be known. We want to love something. We want to be loved by people who love the things we love. It is something that is built into us. And here at the end of Acts chapter 2, we see one of the most wonderful examples of what Christian community can look like when the gospel of Christ is at the center and the Holy Spirit is working in his people. Let's read verse 42 again. Verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So today, we're going to draw out five things, five things that can be seen in these six verses about what the early church did and how they acted and how that affects us as the church today. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. So, so here we see them worship in spirit and truth. We see them worship in spirit and truth. If you've ever wondered why we have Sunday worship experiences the way that we do, it can be found right here in verses 42 and 43, and as we study the rest of these six verses. We come together to learn the truth of God. Now, we don't have the apostles alive anymore today, but we do have their writings so if you've ever wondered, why do we study the Bible? Why do we study the New Testament? Why do we study the Old Testament? The New Testament is the writings of the apostles of Jesus. Remember, we already spoke about this. He handpicked these guys. He spent some time with them. He prepared them. Then he like floated away on a cloud, right? And he said, go found my church. Go start my church. Spread it out there in the world. And so in their founding of the church, in their interactions with the early church, they would write letters, and they would send these letters to the church and these writings that were like instruction on what to do, what not to do, how to be, how to act, and, and to alleviate questions that the early church had. So we don't have the apostles, and so we can't devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching directly, but we can devote ourselves to the teaching through the New Testament. And the apostles and Jesus himself affirmed the Old Testament and said that it's, it's a good thing for us to study. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this about scripture, about these writings. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so why do we gather on Sunday and open up the word of God? It's because we are following the model of the early church where we devote ourselves to the teaching of, of God's word, the teaching that was brought to us through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within the apostles and within the prophets of old. Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. And so we come together, and we come together in prayer and in worship. 
It says here, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. We come together in prayer and worship in awe of what God has done and is doing in our lives. So if you've ever wondered, why, why do we do this? You can look and see. It's because we, we want to follow the model that has been um, given to us in the early church. Verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So guess what? Here we see them do what? We see them invest in life change. You see where I'm going with this this morning, don't you? We see them invest in life change. This is a community that gives out of joy, not obligation, not guilt. This is a community that gives out of joy. In 2 Corinthians verse nine, or chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under what? Compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So I don't want you to feel guilt. We don't want you to feel guilt. We don't want you to feel obligation. We don't want you to feel pressure. If those are the things that you are giving out of, then these are motivations that are not what God likes. These are motivations that are not what God intended. He says that he loves a cheerful giver, somebody who gives joyfully, somebody who's excited to give because they are moved in their person, they are moved in their spirit by what God is doing in them, by what God is doing around them. And so if you're somebody who is reluctantly giving, stop. You didn't think you'd hear that in church, did you? Stop giving if you're giving out of the wrong motivations. Take some time, pray, get your heart right, get your head right, because we want you to give joyfully. Here we see a community, they they were all together. It says they had all things in common. I love this part. I I had the the, um, opportunity, and it was a a privilege, but it was a very hard thing to uh, oversee the, the service of one of our own sisters in Christ after she passed Karen Guthrie just recently. And she was a part of one of our uh, sea life groups here, one of our ladies' sea life group. And what I saw in this sea life group was this, this tight-knit community who loved each other, and they were, they were there for each other. And they came together to celebrate Karen and the interactions that they had with her. And one of the ladies in the group said something so interesting. She, she said something about, you know, without sea life, without church, without Jesus, we wouldn't have had anything in common. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have known her. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to spend time with her without sea life. You see, the church community, the Christian community, the community that the gospel brings together transcends the, the lines that we draw in culture. It transcends age gaps. It transcends uh, race. It transcends any sort of walls that we build up. It goes beyond that because we are all called to love Christ, speak about Christ, and we, are, we have that in common with one another. And so it's an amazing thing to be a part of this and, and, and invest in life change. And so if, if you are somebody who, who is interested in investing in life change and, and you see what God is doing and you see how it matters, I want you to know that you need to pray that the Holy Spirit would bring you to a place of joy and cheer in your giving. 
We would love to see you give cheerfully to the church. Verse 46. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. What do we see here? We see them know that that one day is just the start, or as we say it, what? Sunday is just the start. We see them. They they know that Sunday is just the start. This is not a once a week commitment. Now you really see where I'm going. I'm going to get to all five just in one set of six verses. Uh, Sunday is just the start. It's not a once a week commitment. This was their lifestyle. Coming together, spending time together, lifting each other up as any had need, breaking bread together in their homes. You just had an opportunity to witness that video sort of promoting a few of the different sea life groups. I I want you to know that if you are not in a sea life group, you are missing a huge component of the Christian walk. You are missing a huge component of of Christian and church community. It can't be done on Sunday morning. It can't be done in an hour and a half on Sunday morning. It can't even be done if you volunteer first service and you attend second service. It can't be done in those few short hours. We say we do life together. We've been saying that for years now in, in the church, and I feel like it's something that starts to fall on deaf ears. I hope it is not this morning. May it have renewed potency for you this morning. You cannot do life alone. You need others around you to lift you up, to to break bread with, to speak about your life, to, to, to receive food joyously with generous hearts day by day. It says attending temple together. Well, what is temple for them? That was, that was church. They were attending church together, and they were breaking bread in their homes. So there you go. Go to church. Get together as Christians in community in our sea life groups. If you aren't in one, get in one today. It will change your life. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So here we see them build the church together. They build the church together. They were were meeting the needs of those around them, and Scripture says that they had favor of the community that they were in. They had the favor of the community that they were in. One of the things that we like to ask in in church planting and in the the effectiveness of of the church, it's not about how many uh, people are in your seats. It's about if you closed your doors tomorrow, would your community care or even notice? I'm not sure what the answer is to that question here at Covenant Church, but our vision for Covenant Church is that we would be meeting the needs of those around us in our city, and we would have the favor of all people. We want our city to, to, if we were to ever, God forbid, close our doors, feel it. We would want them to know that something changed when Covenant was gone. Let us not be a church that just makes a big noise, puts on a big show on Sunday mornings, and then closes things down all week long, and nobody who knows Jesus is any wiser about whether we exist or we do not. That is not the church we are called to be. We are called to be much more than this. This is our vision for Covenant Church, that our community would know us and know that Christ loves them through our actions. This is why we do Four Grove City events. Our Four Grove City events are awesome opportunities for us to partner with our community, to serve our community, and to love our community. 
Now, you may not know this because our church seems kind of complicated sometimes. I'm the creative pastor here, but I also um, have the privilege for the meantime of serving and and, um, uh, helping as Pastor David and I kind of split the responsibilities of our outreach and missions department. I have the opportunity to help put together outreach. And I want you to know that over the past few Four Grove City events, we have seen less than 2% of our church show up to serve at the event. Now, I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I just say that because it is a fact. We need to be a church who serves our community. Uh, Just a few years back, we ordered as many as 200 backpacks and received nearly all of them back, filled up with school supplies to send to Stone Mission. Uh, Last year, we we ordered uh, about 120, and we only received 70 back. Now, we can do better, church. We can do better to be known in our community through our love and serving of people. They need to know that Christ loves them, and our actions are going to speak much louder than our words. Our actions are going to speak much louder than the coolest worship that we could ever put together, the coolest creative element, the, the best lights, the best speakers, the best sound, the best show. And I say this as your creative pastor the one who is responsible for doing his best to make sure that we craft worship experiences that are compelling. But all of it is an empty shell if we do not love and we do not serve as the early church served, praising God and having favor with all people. And it says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It does not say that they had the greatest church services. It does not say that they had the best facilities. It does not say they had the coolest kids play place. It does not say that they they gave out $5 bills to everybody who showed up. Those are all cool things. They can be good tools for the gospel, but it says they were praising God and had favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day, we see them bringing their friends to Jesus. We see them bringing their friends to Jesus. Day by day, God added to their numbers. What did I say over and over again last week? They concerned themselves with the witnessing, and God brought the power. And their friends, their family, and their communities came to know Jesus as a result. This is so good. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer hearer of the word, forgets, but who forgets, but a doer of of the word who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Uh, This is fascinating. I want to paraphrase this for you just in case you didn't catch that. Scripture here is saying that a church that does not do these five things, a church that does not do what is seen here in these six verses, a church that is not having favor with people, making sure to fulfill the needs of those around them, worshiping together, devoting themselves to the teaching, getting together and, and, and doing what God has called them to do, a church that does not do that and just hears that instruction but does not go out into the world and apply it is like a person who looks in the mirror and when they walk away, they have completely forgotten what they look like. 
Well, let us not be a church who has no idea what we look like. Do not just come here on Sunday morning and learn and, and hear the truth of the gospel and hear the truth of the words that are found in Acts chapter one and two and the rest of the word as we read it throughout the year. Do not be a people who just come here and do or come here and hear and then go out in your cars and go back to your homes and go back to your situations and do nothing with what you have heard. To do so is to not even know who you are. To do so is to not even know what you really look like. When the church is described in the end of Acts chapter two here, looks in the mirror, they see a beautiful face. And all too often today, when the Church of America in 2018 looks in the mirror, we get a glimpse, and then when we look away, we've immediately forgotten who we are. Do not be hearers of the word only, be doers of the word. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 say this. This is Jesus talking. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, you need to bring your friends to me. You need to bring your friends to the gospel. You need to bring your friends to Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, he says. We are not to just be hearers of the word. We are supposed to be doers of the word. It's almost like the core five principles of Covenant Church were something that we thought about and draw, like drew out of Scripture. I want you to know that they can be found in Scripture. And these are good ideas of what we should be doing as believers, participating actively in God's movement on this earth. Now, I want you to watch this story of a family who's been at Covenant for a long time and how the community of church has changed their lives. I grew up sort of going to church, not all the time, uh, but whenever I was younger, but I kind of never had this real, you know, feeling that I belong there or, you know, sort of sense of community or connection. Whenever Jamie and I started going to Covenant and then we started into Sea Life, we really started to develop a connection with the church and we started to sort of, I guess, develop a sense of community. got a flyer in the mail for Covenant. And we had been going to Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, and watching it on video, I think for almost a year. So we decided that we'd check out the church. And we walked in, and Pastor Travis was playing Sweet Home Take Me Jesus to the tune of Sweet Home Alabama. And we thought, oh yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is home. And I don't think that Seth has ever let him play that song again. My wife, Jamie, and I live here in Columbus. We are from, both from Mississippi, and we're both veterinarians, and we met each other in veterinary school. From there, we uh, <clears throat> sort of moved around for my job as my career, trying to 
get into the specialty that I that I work in uh, in, the, in my field. So uh, we lived in Alabama for a little while. We were part of a, a church there, uh, Highlands Church. I had a friend that basically called out of the blue one day saying that there was a potential opportunity at Ohio State if I was interested in it, but it was actually something that I had already done um, at a different place, but I thought that it would potentially open some doors for me. And so that's kind of what brought us to Columbus. We needed to be, you know, we wanted to be part of a church and that we needed to have a church that we went to and as an opportunity to, to meet people and, you know, get, get develop some friends and et cetera. And so we were kind of looking around and thinking about it and, and then the mailer came. It was like a wrinkled up rain on it wasn't even really in our mailbox. It was like crumpled up on our front lawn, the flyer. And Jamie actually saw the mailer and um, showed it to me and said, hey, this looks like you know a church that is just starting up and they're having a launch service and it sounds pretty cool. Maybe we should, you know, maybe we should entertain going there. And so we, we decided to, to go. We went to the that original um, launch service and uh, there were not a lot of people there, but it was, you know, it was a, a small group, but we really enjoyed um, church that day and thought, you know, okay. And so we just continued, you know, to go every Sunday. And we had David asking us every Sunday if we would uh, be interested in going to a Sea Life group. And he kept inviting us and uh, it probably took a few times, but after a few times we decided to, to go to a Sea Life. And I think it was the, the original Sea Life for, for Covenant where we attended and um, we went to a couple of meetings there and then eventually the group that we originally went to um, multiplied into some, you know, into another group and we went with the um, group that split out of, of that one and that's where our, I guess Sea Life started for us so we continued in, uh, in Sea Life since then. So I think when we first started out it was the accountability for us because it was all new to us and it was kind of a new lifestyle. Um, so the people that we met through Covenant held us accountable for sea life, for showing up on Sunday. I mean, it was Pastor David who basically set us up as volunteers. Jamie and I became regular sea life attenders and, uh, and we you know really enjoyed that part of it. Um, it was just another time to sort of I guess, you know, take what Pastor Travis had talked about on Sunday a little bit further, but, you know, sort of do it with a group and, you know, get, I got other perspectives and um, that sort of thing. And we really, you know, we really sort of locked into our sea life and, you know, it just became part of what we do. No thought about, you know, are we going to go to Sea Life this week? It was just, you know, it was what, you know, what we do. We look forward to it. I think now that we've been here for a while, we kind of give others that accountability. You know, if I, if a friend is missing an action for a while, I'll reach out to them and just say, you know, where are you? How's everything going? Um, on the flip side of that, you know, now that Eric and I have children, um, and we don't really have family here, um, a lot of our covenant friends have become family in the sense that um, there's people from Covenant who watch my kids for me while I can go to work and I mean stuff like that is just invaluable um, 
you know, not having family here for holidays. It's, we're always invited somewhere with covenant friends. You know, they have just taken us into their families, basically. Um, and we don't ever have to wonder where, where we're going to go or where we're going to be because we've made an extended family here. We really, you know, kind of developed friendships that, you know, stay in today and sort of probably are part of the reason that we're, you know, still living in Columbus and still part of Covenant because of some of the original relationships that we made and, you know, basically that's, you know, people that we've met and connected with have become kind of our family here. So they really are, they really are like our family. Jamie and I moved here and we, um, you know, didn't know anyone, didn't have any family, um, and actually thought that we would be here temporarily. But, um, you know, through relationships that we've built, um, we've grown so much through, you know, covenant, we've grown so much. And um, so we, you know, developed this network and community and family that has just helped us grow um, and become so much closer to God and really just sort of change who we are all, all together. And so that's, you know, really something that we have found important. What's, you know, part of what's kept us here that we, you know, are not from here, but we live in, you know, we still live in Ohio and we know that we have everything that, that we need and we, you know, we've developed that with relationships that we've made through, you know, through Covenant, through Sea Life. I can think of a few other families that I'm uh, as amazed by and proud of to know and have been serving in this church longer even than I have had the opportunity for. Um, and I am thankful for the Millers. I'm thankful for their example. But it's not just about the Millers. It's about being a community that truly can change the trajectory of a family's life. For some reason, often the last place community can be found is the one place that Jesus seemed to want it, want it to be found. And this is an area where the church, at least right now in the United States in America, we have maybe dropped the ball a little bit. But we are not without hope because we can look to these five things. We can measure ourselves against these six verses. It's not as though we are without example of who we should be, what we should do, so that we can make a difference in the communities that we are in. But too often in America, we, we get wrapped up with, with independence and self-reliance, and those aren't bad things, but don't do it to the point that you neglect your neighbor. Don't do it to the point where you put yourself on an island trying to tackle life on your own. You were not created to be on your own. You were created to be in community, not just because you need support, but because, but because you need to give support. But it takes vulnerability. Vulnerability is hard. My question for you this morning is not just, do you know your neighbor's names? My question for you is, do you know your neighbor's needs? And my question beyond that is not just, do your neighbors know your names? But my question is, do your neighbors know 
your needs. Because it goes both ways. Let's measure ourselves against the core five principles because if we can measure ourselves against these six verses of the early church and if we can, if we can do what they do, if, if we can pray and ask for God to move in us the way that he moved in them, empower us the way that he empowered them, I believe that day by day he will add to our numbers. And I'm not just excited about that because we'll need more seats. I'm not excited about that because we get to report those numbers to some organization who's gonna talk about the fastest growing churches in America. We do not care about that. I care about those numbers because every number represents a life and every life represents a person who needs Jesus in that life to make a difference and who needs a Christian community to elevate them, to help them through difficult times and trying times. And I want you to know, church, as I studied this, week and I prepared for this, I was, I was heavy hearted with what I had to say, not just because I had to say it to you, but because I had to say it to myself. The aftermath of, of the death, resurrection, ascension, and founding of Jesus' church led to a revival unlike the world had ever seen, and we are a part of that legacy. Jesus said that greater things are yet to be done. Greater things will be done in my name. And we have an opportunity to be a part of that, please. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I speak on behalf of the other pastors and myself when I say, this is our vision for this church. Not something that's flash in the pan, not something that's just trendy or cool looking. We don't care about that. We want a lasting impact of legacy that truly changes families down to their core. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.